Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 237 of the Motorcycle Man podcast and another interview episode for your listening pleasure. Before we get to that interview, the Motorcycle Man podcast is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. For the last 15 years, Scorpion EXO has been dedicated to offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value to ensure that each and every Scorpion EXO helmet and garment will surpass user expectations. So to learn more, you go to scorpionusa.com. And Shinko Tires, whether if you're riding a sport bike, a scooter, some off-road bike, a dual sport, a cruiser, yeah, and a Harley-Davidson, or even Indian, or whatever. Shinko has a tire to suit your needs and riding style without breaking your bank account. So if it's time for tires for your bike, think of Shinko. Go to ShinkoTireUSA.com and you tell them that the motorcycle men sent you. Motorcycle Men is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. If you would like to help out and be a part of something that actually makes a difference, donate today to David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. Go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. Links will also be in the show notes and, of course, on the Motorcycle Men website. The Gold Star Ride Foundation is helping families of fallen soldiers and making a difference in the lives of those left behind. If you would like to be a part of something that's a great cause and get some heartfelt miles in go to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next gold star ride and of course as always the motorcycle man is brought to you by tobacco motorwear it's tobacco motorwear that is known for making the best looking riding jeans in the world that's because they start with premium fabrics like selvage denim and canvas and then they add those protective elements like comfortable anti-abrasion linings or armor and while other brands may look like a pair of saggy dad jeans, tobaccos, on the other hand, are so stylish that you're going to want to wear them every time you're on your bike. And even when you're not riding, with multiple fits and styles of protective jeans for men and women, you're guaranteed to find something that matches your style. Tobacco Motorwear also makes jackets, vests, and riding shirts. And you've heard me say it before. I love my California riding shirt and my tobacco riding jeans. And I wear them every time I ride. I just won't ride without them. Not only that, nearly every time I wear them, somebody asks me about them. Tobacco believes that the safest gear is the gear you will wear. That's why they make products that look good and protect you while riding. And not only that, tobaccos are made to last, and they're also made right here in the USA. So there's no need to sacrifice style for safety. So go check out TobaccoMotorWear.com. That's TobaccoMotorWear.com. And our listeners get a whopping 10% off your order when you use that coupon code MOTOMEN. Your safety is worth it, so get over there. All right, now. So you heard me here on the podcast talk about highways and various roadways that we can all ride our motorcycles on. And while roads like California's Pacific Highway and, of course, Route 66 are iconic, and many tour companies offer tours on these roads, what they lack is more. More of it to keep you engaged. More to see and more to do. Though these roads and others like them are great and perhaps historic, they lack that coast-to-coast adventure that you might be looking for. From time to time, you've also heard me mention the longest highway in America, Route 20, stretching from Boston, Massachusetts to Newport, Oregon. My guest today is here to tell us all about this little-known but historic route across America.
All right, boys and girls, joining me here in the V-Twin Cafe all the way from, where are you right now? Actually, I'm in Gulf Shores, Alabama at the moment. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's your surprise. That's a little, it's a stretch from where I thought you'd be. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) Mr. Brian Farr from the Historic Route 20 Association. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thank you very much. I'm glad to have you. You know what? Do you ride a motorcycle? That I do not ride. Okay, so uh, you are, um, I, I think, only the third person that I have had on the podcast that does not ride. But okay. the reason why I have you here is because Route 20 has a special place in my heart and would be of extremely great interest to motorcycle riders. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Okay. Um, well, I'm originally from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and grew up there uh and I went to school for meteorology. So my degree is in meteorology, and I'm totally far removed now from doing anything meteorology-wise. But um, I did TV for a while. Really? And then I worked on, yep, um, but didn't like it. I loved, I liked it if I had to do it on my own. Yeah. But to work for, like, a corporate entity of television, it wasn't my thing. I get it. At all. And, yeah, and then I went to go work on uh, Mount Washington up in New Hampshire. Oh my God, really? uh, the, yeah. Uh, so that was the ultimate, um, road trip. I mean, not road trip. Yeah. The ultimate road trip, ultimate job to have in my career was to work on Mount Washington. So I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I got to be up there for wind speeds of 158 miles per hour. Wow. And then also, um, seeing the Atlantic ocean in the morning and then, the sunset over the Adirondacks. So that, that was my, um, you know, my thrill. That's and amazing. I think that it was, yeah. So that was my, my penultimate and, um, of the career. So, right. and then, yeah. And after that, actually what happened was I, um, I was in between jobs and I had to go work for, um, another retail chain just so I could make some, you know, <laughs> make a living. And, during the nice great recession of the 2000 late 2000s um there it was hey you lot um we don't need you so they gave me money and i'm like what am i gonna do i I have time and i have money what do i do let's go on a road trip and that's how everything got started really so you know i'm jumping into that segue there but that's kind of you know how everything just kind of fell into place so that's how you got into doing this Historic Route 20 Association thing. So why don't you tell us about the Historic Route 20 Association and its sure. mission? Sure. Um, so what it, we do is um, Historic Route 20 is to raise the profiles of the communities, the towns, uh, historic sites, mom and pop shops, uh, all along the original 1926 alignments of U.S. Route 20 that stretches from Boston to Newport, Oregon. So we try to get everybody that's on that original alignment um, that was placed, if you can. And most of it's still there, and we'll talk about that later, I, I saw. But, yeah, so to get everybody into that, those downtown areas off the interstates um, and cater definitely to those places that can't afford to, you know, do billboard advertising on the interstate highways. Right. Um, that's one of my big things is, you know, and McDonald's, per se, has, you know, millions of dollars, and they couldn't put up. A billboard every two miles saying come see us whereas a great small you know hamburger place or you know whatever might food might be out there 
they can't afford to do that. So when I discover that, it's my, it's like, okay, we're going to talk about that. We're going to, you know, put you on the map almost. And right. some of these places, you know, some of these small towns, they have nothing. I, I hate saying it. They have nothing left per yeah. se yeah. because, you know, people migrate to the cities and people are moving away. And, um, you know, they, what I've learned along the way is, yeah, when, when things start closing and like, then the last thing to close is your school, your town is pretty much, you know, they say done. Kind of it's dead. done at that point. Yeah. It's done. And some of these places, that's all they have. And so it's like, they have, they, they lost their school. What do you do? So it's like, okay, we have to do something to bring people just to come in, just to see them, right. you know, just to at least, you know, and what can we offer to okay. them? And, you know, some of it's just like, you know, they may have a unique structure that you just building, like, just come see this unique building. And, you know, whether somebody comes into town and says, we stopped into town just to see this building, you know, there may not even be a place to shop. That's the thing. So, you know, but at least they're coming back into that town, but you never know who's going to stop into that town when they, when they're on this adventure. Right. Um, they might say, we like this place. This has a potential for something. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's our kind of, that's our goal. Okay. So okay. must raise raise awareness not just of Route 20 but also raise awareness of the communities that it passes through. Correct, correct. And try to connect the communities along the way. We want um eventually as we keep growing to some people have said like sister cities or at least towns that have something in like oh we did this and we do the same thing but we're 300 miles apart. How can we connect that? Yeah. And um so Instead of just being this isolated town on the highway or, you know, in a different state and one state you know, say, hey, you know, why do you, you know, there's like two cities that were known for making watches. One's in Massachusetts and one's in Illinois. But say, hey, now you have these two watch towns that are based. Then you have baseball towns and then you have, you know, book, things that are connected by books. And yeah. some people don't even realize that these places are connected in that way. So wow. when you're driving along the way, you kind of say, well, here's where the book was written in this town, which I found interesting doing research. And there's a certain book written in Cherry Valley, New York, versus the they made a Hallmark movie of it <laughs> uh, many years later out in Nebraska. So it's like, like wow, but it's all on Route 20. So it's very interesting. I that think, is very in interesting. My, well, let's talk about Route 20. You know, sure. People, I think we're we're going to get into this, but why don't you give us a brief history of Route Twenty? Okay, the uh, the brief history was it all came together in 1925. The federal government wanted to give money. I, I think that's using the words loosely. Wanted to give money to upgrade the most popular roads across roads across the country, and they came to the state saying, "Designate your most popular roadways." And so all the states came together saying, yeah, we want to make the road from Boston to Albany one, the Boston to Chicago road or Buffalo, Chicago, and so on and so forth. And they all got together in Washington, D.C. in the summer of 1925. And they were supposed to connect the dots. But my joke is every time you, you go to Washington to get things done quickly, correct? Is that the way you do it? Well, that's, what um, think. <laughs> that's what you think. But it didn't happen, of course. So a subcommittee was formed. But then they connected all the dots, and by November of 1925, all the dots were connected, and they labeled the roads. Um, the lowest numbers were in the north and the east. The highest numbers were in the south and the west. So there is a system right. to it. And um, and this is where I always throw in. Route 66 and Route 20 were created on that same exact day. There wasn't like, oh, Route 66 is this really cool highway we want to designate, and it's going to be 
become this famous highway. No, it just happened to be that road. That yeah. number was just placed there because of its location. And But they were all created on that same day. And um, therefore, by 1926, the roadway was um, signed or numbered all the way across the country, mostly across the country. Yeah. Um, Oregon objected to the signage through certain parts because it was winter and the road, they couldn't travel the road. It was supposed to be a transcontinental highway. And um, so it took several years for it to get to the Pacific Ocean, but it finally got there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't realize today is that zero in the 20 means transcontinental highway goes coast to coast. Yes. So yes. you're 20, you're 30, you're 40, you're 50, all start the Atlantic and go to the Pacific Ocean. Correct. And so that was, um, you know, they were thinking a little bit ahead of their time, maybe that people are going to be intelligent when they when it came to traveling. They didn't even have east-west put up yet. They didn't put do arrows or anything like that. They just did, um, you know, everybody thinks everybody should know if it's an even number, it's east-west. If it's odd, it's north-south. But later on, that came to be. But um, So the roadway was laid out as it was. Um, and a newspaper article at the end of 1927 said the roads are so thoroughly done, there was no need to designate any more highways in the country because this was so thorough of a project that they'd never have to build any more roads, number any more roads. We're done. Wow. And what a boy. Well, they about, su- they'd be surprised now, wouldn't they? They sure would. And by five years later, they were building bypasses and new roads and moving them around. But uh, 20 itself pretty much remains as it has been mostly from that 1926 designation. Wow. That's awesome. Now, uh, yeah. just for those who don't know, uh, how many states does Route 20 pass through? It goes through 12 states. Um, so you're going to see 12 different, different states. Uh, the shortest, though, is Montana. So everybody's thinking Montana is this large, one of the largest states. Yeah. But it only goes 11 miles through Montana, this little section of Montana. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's but hey, you get to go through Montana. Yeah, it's true. But um, how, many miles but, in, how many miles in total is Route 20? Um, so in 1989, the federal, federal government measured it at 3,365 miles. and But that was now 31 years ago. And it's changed over the time. But Has it really changed? Looked. It's changed here and there. And I've been trying to figure it out a little bit, but I keep coming up with different numbers. It's still close to that. Um, but it's what one do you want to use? Do you want to use the new roads or the old roads? So I think for all intents and purposes, we just stick with that 3365 until somebody actually comes out and says, this is officially what the new mileage is. Because yeah. when they, that deck was published in 1989, it kind of just drew a little bit of attention to Route 20, just a little bit. And yeah. it, was, it was written about as being the longest highway in the country yeah. with that mileage. And it still would be regardless of the new mileage. There isn't another road that is as long. But it, um, the newest figures are just a little bit lower than that. But if I add in the old original highways sections, it would be just a little bit longer. So, oh, okay. All um, right. So it, it varies. <laughs> right. Well, the, the um, current alignment of Route 20, is, this the, yeah. is it the same as it always been? Or how, how many realignments has there been through the history of the route? Um, surprisingly, 
you can what I tell everybody is you can still take the original alignment of twenty and not take an interstate highway at least until you get to Wyoming. Yeah. Which is then that seems odd because but yeah, Wyoming is just wide open spaces. But that original alignment you can still see when you're traveling the interstate, but now it's in a cow pasture. But so that original alignment is mostly still there. Some of the roads may have been moved just a little bit. Um, but so that's part of our purpose is to map those out so people can take that um, original alignment. And sometimes it's just been moved, you know, a block away or, you know, they repaved it over a different little section here. Um, but we, there are three, there are three areas that have been majorly bypassed. And one of them, um, was being in Massachusetts, um, in the Worcester area, it was totally moved around sort of, um, and then out towards, um, Western New York, towards Buffalo, it did a different roadway and then they moved it further North to go more towards Buffalo. And then it originally actually went through right downtown Chicago, um, along Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, then right down the heart of, um, I think it was Wacker Ave. And that wasn't Wacker, Washington. And then out west. And so those those areas were moved pretty early on. So we don't really, you know, in historical purposes, yes, we say that's the original alignment. If you want to take it, go ahead. But also at the same time, it's doing a disservice to a lot of these towns that have been known as Route 20 since about 1930, 1935. Right, yeah. So it... In the map, we definitely say, yes, we do have, that's the original alignment, feel free to take it, but you'd also be you know, missing out on a few of other sections. And there's a few little bypasses here and there. We definitely are making that known. The biggest difference, though, for modern travel is in Iowa. Um, the original alignment through Iowa was um, 335 miles long, and out west, like most of the roads when they originally built were built along town lines and the section lines. Many 90-degree turns. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Man, you come out, 90-degree angle, up, down. And there's one section they actually call it the steps because the roadway just kind of went down a 90-degree turn, then, then a turn, turn, turn. Like every mile, there was a turn just to go down about five miles. So it was called the steps, and then they straightened that out. But um, another funny story was in about 1952, the state of Iowa came out and was saying, we need to make Route 20 a four-lane highway across the state. Um, to comp- uh, so they did that and they thought they were going to be done and the first section was built about 10 miles of it and then the final section was completed in October of 2018 it took that long it to complete that long oh my god <laughs> so so that's kind of where our efforts we I mean I started this in Massachusetts but when I learned about Iowa, I said, this is going to be really good for Iowa. And I really wanted Iowa to become a model for what we could do across the country yeah. because it had been moved. So many people, when they see that 20 sign, what they're doing is they're following that Route 20 shield that's out there. And when they get to Iowa, they just get on this four-lane highway that's they're going 65 miles an hour, and they're not seeing anything. And they're, they're seeing what is stereotypically Iowa. They're seeing cornfields, and that's about it. And like... It doesn't go through any towns. It bypasses every single town. And that's what I did when the first trip across country was, yeah, I saw this. I'm like, Iowa was nice, but it was kind of boring. There weren't any, there wasn't any towns to see. What do you see and do? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, somebody told me, yeah, uh, you missed the old highway. And so it was to go back out. Well, let me ask you then. 
all of these mm-hmm. all these uh, highways, these sections that have been bypassed or uh, right. the route has been realigned, whatever. Are these old sections? Have they been a, abandoned, or are they at all numbered, or have they just been given other street names? Or they, if they still exist, how does one know if they're going? How they're going to get on it? Okay, so most of them still exist, um, and that's a good thing. Uh, they've been most of them though have been renumbered to either county highways. And some of them are really weird. Like Iowa has like D36, you know, how would you even realize that was Route 20? Um, some of them are, some of the roads are easily like old Highway 20. Okay, that's a no brainer. That's old Highway 20. Right. Um, yeah. But the other purpose of our organization is to offer signage to the communities okay. to place on the highway. Right. And um, it it's, there's like about three or four steps to go through it. Uh, the easiest way is if the highway that the old highway that the tw- that Route 20 went on is just a town highway or a county road, it's very easy just to say put up a sign in that town. It's easy to do. But if it's a state highway now, then you have to get state approval, and that takes a lot of red tape to go through. Okay. And um, so Iowa, we're almost there. We are wait. This is the frustrating part. We are waiting on two counties in Iowa to pass this resolution for this designation of the state historic uh, scenic, uh, not scenic, state historic auto trail. And that would be completed across the state of Iowa. Then we could legally place signs on all stretches of the highway connecting across Iowa on that original section. And we're just waiting for two counties and somehow they're hemming and hawing for about two years now. Whereas other places have been like, Oh, they heard about it. Here's, Here's the check. Here's this. They have their signs. They've had their signs for two years, and they're just waiting. And so it's a little bit frustrating on that part, but that's our goal across the country. And even if the roadway hasn't moved at all since 1925, the signs will still be up there so people can still follow and say, yep, we're on that original highway. Um, For us, historic route isn't meaning, oh, it's historic from the 1700s, 1800s. It's that original 1926 alignment. Exactly. And right. I try, right. And I haven't, and I've been trying to toy with different terminology, and nothing came out that sounded sounded better, I guess you could say, than historic Route 20. You know, you know, original 20, but it just that seemed kind uh, of historic bland. Route 20 says it for me. Right. So that's the original. That's the road you want to take, and um, especially though for your audience, one of the things we definitely talked about. In Iowa, was some of that original highway is gravel highway, and no kidding. We so, which is really cool for if you're walking or driving in a motorcycle, or uh, I mean driving in a car, because yeah, you can just take that original gravel road and like this is the way the road was in 1926 out here. It has never been up- upgraded except for grading every year. But we know for motorcyclists, gravel roads aren't the most friendly roads to travel. It doesn't on. turn us off. It does not right. stop us. We'll just have we so, just ride a little more careful. That's all. Right, right. So, but what we did is we did a compromise, and we decided that you know if there was a gravel road, we're thinking of a different type of signage that has like a little a bike on it that says original highway, mm-hmm. but you know either no bikes or, you know, use caution, but we're, we our mapping system that we have now for Iowa. It definitely does indicate that this is a gravel highway. So you know, right. those who don't want to take the gravel roadway, they can take that original, at least the 
a more modern alignment. And oh. those gravel roads okay. were, uh, were changed um, roughly about 1930 to 1932. Oh. So that's why they're still gravel, because they were kind of left alone. Yeah. Uh, and for abandoned roads, there's still some, there are some abandoned sections, but most of those are, I think those are the unique pieces of, excuse me, of history. Oh, sure. Because absolutely, you, you, you drive along the highway and all of a sudden you see this section of concrete in the, you know, right off the side of the road. And you're like, first of all, you see how narrow that was. And then you look at it like this was a transcontinental highway and it's, you know, um, what about 12, 13, 14 feet wide, you know, and that's it. Wow. And this is what car- this is what carried your transcontinental roadway. And there's a few of those sections left along the roadway that you can see. So that's kind of cool, well, I think. Well, it, now that even though you can see them, are they accessible? Right. Um, some most of those uh, you can at least walk on. You can park next to them and take a picture, walk on. Um, driving on, and most of them are barricaded. Those abandoned oh, abandoned really? sections. Yeah. Um, but I know one of them in Massachusetts is now like, an, um, they've turned it into like this public walkway, um, you know, really? so like that they were rail trails, but now it's just, you know, that's the old highway. Yeah. Um, and, and such, I'm trying to think if there's other ones out there. There's just some in like Nebraska where it's just so wide open in Nebraska. We don't even think about it on the East coast. It's like, oh, we have to re- redo the roadway. You have to do it right in its place because there's nowhere else to put that road. Yeah. Whereas in Nebraska, it's like there is nothing around. So they just moved the road. You know, they just shifted over to another length of the roadway. And there's the old roadway, you know, grass covered on the side. And here's the modern roadway just, you know, a couple feet over. Wow. So, so it's fun if you're walking it. Or you know, even bicycling, but you know, for a motorcycle or a car, you can't. You really can't. Oh, okay. Now that way. you can see it. You can see it at least in in the early years when it first was created. It stopped at the border of Yellowstone National Park. Right. Yeah. Yep. Now, what's what spawned the decision? Okay. Well, we got to fix this. Did they go through the park or did they go around the park? So, so really, the original alignment was to go all through the park, go through Idaho and end up in Astoria, Oregon. Right. That was the original plan. And it was Oregon that came out and said, uh, well, the, the states had one year to either agree or disagree to the alignments. And Oregon had an objection. They said, basically, it's going through Yellowstone Park. If you drive through Yellowstone Park, you know that the roads close October through May. They're not accessible. You can't go through there. And if this is a transcontinental highway... It's not going to work. And the road that was supposed to go through in Idaho was pretty much mud. Um, and <laughs> they didn't want that. Oregon just said, our roads are better than Idaho and that road through Yellowstone. And the Federal Highway Administration at the time agreed. And they said, all right, we w- we're just going to cut it off here at the eastern entrance of Yellowstone National Park. And if those roadways get improved over time, we'll extend it further and further west. And um, so there, that is why, actually, Route 30 then was moved. I can't remember where it originally was supposed to go, but 30 was actually moved up onto where 20 was supposed to go. Yes, this is so, true. Right. So, so 20 was supposed to go to Astoria. Now 30 goes to Astoria, and it displaces that number sequence. So it's yep. supposed to go to the high, lowest. So <laughs> yes. That's why 30 is above 20 in Oregon and that little part of Idaho. 
And then it wasn't until about 1937 that it started to come through um, certain parts of Idaho. And it reached the Pacific Ocean in 1943, uh, Newport. It finally got... So it got to Albany, Oregon in 1940, and then by 1943, finally reached Newport. But that, those roads were kind of bad, in bad shape. Yeah. And, but that's why it originally ended at the eastern entrance of Yellowstone. And theoretically, it is not signed through Yellowstone. Oh, so, no, it's not. So, yes. So it depends on who you talk to. My, my point of view is you have to get through from A to B. And on a GPS, they still mark it as Route 20. Oh, okay. Um, going through Yellowstone. So you can still follow it through Yellowstone itself. But there's some purists out there that say, well, whoa, 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 no, it's cut up. It's, there's an eastern section and a western section, and it doesn't really exist in Yellowstone. So therefore, um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I just say, yes, I, I, on our maps, we have it going through Yellowstone National Park. Oh, okay. And, and I, and you know, you do yourself a disservice to not go through Yellowstone. Of course, I've had people, I've had people say, "Oh, we're going to do this trip in the winter." And first of all, I'm like, "You're crazy!" Because <laughs> who wants to take a road trip in the winter when half the time there's going to be a blizzard condition blocking yeah. the roadway, or you never know, or it's too cold, you can't see anything, everything's closed, right? Um, you know, and then you can't go through Yellowstone National Park. You're doing a disservice, and yeah, I it's get- sort of like. That's your treat, you know, Yellowstone. Exactly. Uh, now this is this is going to be this this is probably going to be the touchy subject for a lot of people. Okay. Why has Route 20's history been so silent in comparison to Route 66? Um, I mean, it's I, certainly more historic. I think what ha- I think what it was uh, is in the early days, it had a lot of publicity. Uh, in the early days. And I think what happened was it became such a traffic nightmare. Um, the, the many stories that I keep hearing from a lot of townspeople are route 20 was pretty much a standstill. And really? when those, when those wow. highway, yeah, I mean, traffic in my town in Chester, Massachusetts, they said you could barely cross. They had to put in traffic lights. So People could stop so people could cross the road at the school. Where today, you know, there aren't any traffic lights, and it's very easy to cross the highway at any given time. Yeah. Um, and this also speaks to it in like certain towns, like um, Cherry Valley. I my my other joke. I have lots of road humor jokes, but one of them is if you're going to name a new town, never call it Cherry Valley because all the cherry there are three Cherry Valleys on Route 20 um, across the country. And all three have been bypassed. So definitely do not call your town <laughs> Valley because it will be, will be bypassed. Um, but there's a, yeah. Um, Cherry Valley, New York is one example where they, people, when I went there and talked to some of the older people in town, the historians here were like, yeah, we had, I think, two movie theaters and three car garages and restaurants. But they said there was one traffic light in the center of town, and on a busy day, Route 20 traffic would be backed up for two miles at that traffic light. Wow. In the early 1950s. That's how busy it was. And then, so the state of New York, in their infinite wisdom, decided to build a bypass around Cherry Valley to alleviate that traffic. Yeah. So that's that's on Route 20, which goes around Cherry Valley. But then about five years later, the New York State Thruway opened, 
and therefore all the traffic was alleviated, so nobody went through Route uh, Perry Valley. But I, but I think that's that's the theory, that's my theory anyway. Is it was such a busy highway, and it was just a relief really to get people off the roadway, um, yeah. off of that off of that old highway, and the histories. There's there's so many stories and history along that road, so. And I just don't think anybody really paid attention to it. And I'm tr- I'm not, I'm not old enough to remember the of uh, the the Route 66 TV days when people were were dance you know were singing sure. Route 66 getting your kicks. I know the song and I do know the TV shows, but I wasn't around during that time frame to culturally be like oh aware of that. But I think when people were starting to hear that. It wasn't until the '80s that it was more romanticized. Yeah, Route 66 was starting to get more and more romanticized in the '80s, and then when they decommissioned Route 66 in 1985, it was the first major high, first highway I think really to get a decommission. Yeah, and th- therefore everything got paid attention to Route 66. Yeah, and all the other highways that are out there sort of like well nobody was really talking about them there was history on them but um you know and another thing i think too is in those those early days of travel there was an almost like a you know an advice column but they had travel columns like how how do i go to so-and-so or i want to go here tell me about this you'd write your local paper somebody would respond and one of the papers somebody wrote saying you know, I live in Boston. I want to go to Los Angeles. Can you tell me what to see and do and how to get there? And this is in the 1930s. And the advice columnist, the travel columnist told them, um, so get on Route 20, go to Chicago, catch Route 66. You'll end up in Los Angeles. It was that simple yeah. back then. Yeah. Just to say you took two roads to get to Los Angeles from Boston. Right. Today... It's like your GPS is saying, okay, turn here, turn here, get on this highway, take this, go here. You know, I think we lo- we, we sort of lost that, you know, simplicity of, of travel. And so now we're, we're coming back to this, wow, what, it, what about these old highways that are there? What was there to see? What was there to do yeah. on yeah. that old highway? So I think that, you know, that was what... 20 was nobody was really talking about it or they were talking about it in sections yeah um i mean route 66 gets a a tremendous amount of probably more attention than it should mm -hmm. in comparison to route 20 i mean is there is there's this is there a historical battle of sorts happening between these two highways um not really um i think we're we're going to we're pretty much on friendly terms in I actually was in one of the towns where they com- where they intersect out in uh, countryside Illinois. It's a suburb of Chicago, and even the tourism people there they were like, "This is a great idea, you know, to have these intersection this intersection become known. You know, the longest highway in the country in Route 66. That'd be a great place to stand on the corner, right? You know, exactly, yeah, and, t- and have a picture, yeah. Um, and I think more and more people are now seeing this. Uh, as a second alternative, um, I've had many people now, they'll, they'll do Route 66 first because that's the ultimate road trip. But then they liked Route 66, route 66 so much. What's the next thing to do? Yeah. And it's Route 20. But now, but 
people are also saying, well, they want to go on a cross-country road trip. What do they do? Oh, let's do Route 20 because that's cross-country, whereas 66, you have to begin in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, so, originally, Route 66 was intended, Avery, one of the original originators of the route, he wanted mm-hmm. Route 66 to pass through all of these small rural communities and towns all along the way. Mm-hmm. Now that that doesn't do that anymore, Route 20 still does. Right. Route 20 still right. hits all those. So I think by comparison, Route 20 is significantly more historical, I would imagine. That's, that's my thought anyway. I think so. I think it's more historical. Um, and what I what I will tell people is, you're seeing the expansion of the country. I mean, you're starting in Boston, and you know where 1630 you had the first settlements mm-hmm. in you know the country roughly 1630, and you just go across the country and you're seeing how everything just expanded more and more westward, and yeah. so you're seeing the history of the country all on one road. I think. You are. Yes, you are. Uh, With regard to Route 20, uh, getting back to that, uh, when the interstate system was built, uh, Mm -hmm. Interstate 90 parallels much of Route 20. And certainly, and then, of course, course Route 80. How did that affect, did it have the same effect on Route 20 that the interstates had on 66? Um. It depends where you are, but I think the overall majority is yes. It what most people will say the interstate just killed the downtown. Yeah, um, especially that's where I live. I live in this section of Massachusetts where we're in a we're in a thirty mile stretch between exits on the the Mass Pike, right. and it's the longest stretch on the Mass Pike um, between uh, between exits. But, yeah, you're going from tons of cars a day, thousands of cars a day, to hundreds of cars a day. And, yeah, I believe in certain sections it did hurt um, dramatically. And, you know, some, sometimes they don't, the towns can't recover. Otherwise, there are certain sections of 20 where when I do go in eastern Massachusetts as I'm getting closer to Boston, it's like, you're crazy. Who wants to take this road? Because it is still a busy thoroughfare for all, an alternative to 90. Um, yeah. Sometimes that's what's still being used as. So, um, but I think overall, yes, the interstate did have a, it's a positive, negative effect. But um, yeah, I. it's funny too, when I read these articles of, um, I mentioned that four lane road, tw- uh, four lane twenty in Iowa. In the eighties, they're saying we need this four lane because this is going to increase traffic. It's going to bring people back into the downtowns. And I'm very popular. With, I'm not. I'm not popular. Um, I'm talking with the people in Iowa, and yes, now that this four lane has been completed across Iowa, Route Twenty traffic is has increased significantly. I can't remember the exact number, but. They keep saying the number of trucks and cars on that highway has really increased over the past two years. But are people now coming into the downtowns? And the answer is no. So they're passing through. They're just going through. They're not stopping. They're not spending time, money, dollars into these towns. Yeah. And the only ones that they're stopping at are, you know, the ones that 
built like a hotel right along that, you know, four lane section of highway. Yeah. That's true. And some of these towns, you know, they they had to move the highway about eleven miles away from the original highway. Wow, that's um, that's a big difference. That's a big yeah, difference. It is. And so they're not seeing anybody coming in, really. And sometimes they're saying, Yeah, well, we kinda like it a little bit slower, but <laughs> at the same time, how are you going to develop when yeah. you're that far away from your highway? I mean, I see so, it myself. Uh, uh, granted, I only ride a short seventy mile section of the highway a few times mm-hmm. a month, but I can, you can see along this route where there was a town or there was a community and now mm-hmm. it's got just, just abandoned old wood buildings that are collapsing in on themselves. You see right. that even towns like, oh, for example, I'll throw one out at you, Richfield Springs. Now I've mm-hmm. seen pictures and photographs and of Richfield Springs in the thirties and forties. And it was a bustling community. It was mm-hmm. really, now they struggle to stay alive. Right, right, and it's it's interesting because I've seen a few towns come back. Um, even in my time when I started this ten years ago, how one town came back, but is can that be done through for every town? What what is there to have in all those towns? Um, but yeah, like looking at all these old postcards or events of what these towns were, you had everything in that town that you could possibly need. And now you're traveling to your bigger city because you can easily do that now. Yes. And of course now with your, you know, internet delivery services the next day, (laughs) who needs to go anywhere? Who needs to go anywhere? Um, And I'm guilty of using that myself, but um, so you're having to offer something in those towns and, what 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 is that? And you can't have the same thing every single town. Otherwise, you're going to become oversaturated. Yeah. So that's part of what we want to try to do is we're what we we say is we're not the we're not a band aid or we're we're not the um <coughs> the answer. We're just offering you a tool. We're offering you the tool of historic Route 20, and whether that helps your community significantly or just minor, you know. A small impact. We don't know what that impact is going to be just yet. Okay. But, but one of them was, you know, somebody wrote us back in a town saying, you know what? Since we signed on to be a Route 20 historic Route 20 town for this historic Route 20 designation in Iowa, we could use that in a grant. And without that designation, we would not have gotten that grant. See, there you for go. the town, right? So therefore, that helped that town All right. itself. So, no. well, we, we uh, think it's going to be helpful. Well, the mass, the majority of Route 20 is is, is two lane, but right. the, does the association know association know how many miles are, have been converted to four lane? Um, it's something I've been trying to do <laughs> figure out. Um, I haven't figured out exactly how many are how much of it's four lane, how much of it isn't, and when you say four lane. Um, most of it I, is, I guess the term is rural four lane, where it's not like an interstate highway. Exactly. It's, you're right. Or, you're right. It's, just, it's just a four lane section of roadway. There are at grade intersections. There are stoplights on it. There are no real interstate type of highways, except for that section of Iowa, which I really don't count anymore because now we have that other section and that little section in Wyoming. But for the most part... Um, I think I did a rough estimate 
and maybe it's like 23, 24% is four lane. Well, four that, lane. That, that's, that's not insignificant. No. You know. And a lot of that, sometimes it's just having four lanes going through as, you know, um, yes, and I would include, you know, a business district or, right, right. You know, because sometimes it does become a four lane road that way. And even through New York state, um, well, there's a couple sections that are going through New York where I get as an example, uh, where, where it gets extremely hilly going through Cherry Valley, for example, right. it is two lane right. going through there, going through the, going through Sharon Springs. It's two lane for a little while, right near the Walmart factory, Walmart <laughs> warehouse. Right. And then, it, yeah. and then it narrows back down again. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's. What's interesting with that is that was all built to be four lane because that was done before the New York State Thruway was built. Right. So that was built to alleviate traffic, and it's not really needed as a four lane. So when I tell people, yeah, that's a four lane roadway, you don't want to get that misnomer or that misconception that it's a busy road. Yes. I <laughs> anything get like that. It's not. It's it's weird to stand on that as a four lane roadway. Sure. And um, being. You could just stand there like there's not a lot of traffic whatsoever. I've never seen it busy. <laughs> never. And the only time I've been, the only time I've actually heard that it's busy is like during a snowstorm or when they shut down the New York New York Thruway. Right. And then people will start taking that roadway. But um, <coughs> excuse me. So in a way, it's a it's a good thing that it's there, and um, you have that um, that space. I guess you could say. And the variety so, of travel. Yeah. Let's talk right. about the uh, so, the speed limits on the route. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the speed limits do. I mean, just a section I, I have driven. The speed limits vary between thirty miles per hour to fifty five. Mm-hmm. Is there much? Is there much uh, difference from that throughout the full length of the road? So, you know, and where I live in Massachusetts, the biggest contention is it goes up, down, up, down, up, down when you come to certain towns, and it's it should just be like one consistent speed. Um, but as you go further and further west, Nebraska, it goes up to 65 miles an hour. Two no lanes, kidding. 65. Really? Yeah. Oh, but my God. Then again, <laughs> yeah. But then again, Nebraska, it's every town's 12 miles apart, approximately 12 miles apart. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, and there's not a lot of traffic in Nebraska, no, <laughs> really. I can it's, imagine now. So, yeah. And I think then parts of it are, uh, at least in Wyoming, it's up to 70 in certain parts. Um, wow, really? Seven. Daytime 70, nighttime 60, I think that was, are the signs <laughs> out there. Now, who, govern, so who can, governs that, though? Is that the state, the county, town? Who governs governs that? Oh, oh wow. 20, is, it's a federal highway, but they are all state-maintained. It's all state highway except for certain sections, and this is one of those, you have to actually go into each jurisdiction. Sometimes it's the town that maintains the road or takes care of the road. Sometimes it's um, the city, the county. Um, But overall, it's more or less the state's responsibility. Oh, okay, I get that. For for the roadway, yeah. So most of it's a state highway. All right, let's talk about the signage for uh, for Route 20. It seems to have changed quite a bit over the year. Has one ever one sign been designated for the entire length for all the states? Um, so, are you meaning like the black and white signs? Yeah, the black or? and white signs. It seems to vary. Like some places will say Route 20 or uh, Highway um, 20, stuff like that. Is it- So, 
so they there are three significant changes to the sign to the signs, but then each state sort of can go on their own a little bit. Like there is an official, you know, guide to um, the signs. Okay. Like there's an official specification that everybody should follow, but some places don't follow that, which is kind of crazy. Right. Um, so it's in Pennsylvania. There's a contractor out there that has a weird shape, but they they look like acorns. So everybody's like, "There's your acorn shield," you know. <laughs> it's like it's weird. And then sometimes it, they look a little bit different, but the ones that say the, the state name or the U.S., those are the old school. Those are from the 20s up to the 50s. And do um, some of them like still the, exist? I have not found any in existence for 20. No kidding. Um, wow. We've, um, the last of them were up. I think there was one in Oregon that was up in the early 2000s. And that was the last one for 20. Um, but that was taken down. Right. Um, and um, so, so you know, what I tell people, too, is, yeah, you can follow that that black and white shield, but that's going to take you on that modern alignment. So our shields are brown. Our signs are brown that say historic root with the old original 1926 right. shield. So you, there's definitely a difference. Well, well, let's talk about that. Now, the historic route 20 signs, have they mm-hmm. been placed along the entire length of the route? No, not yet. Not yet. And okay. that's not and that is not because I don't want them to be. It <laughs> is um I if it were my decision they would be all up all from end to end right now. Um it is all dependent on the states, the towns, primarily the states. Right. Um the states have to give their approval um for the signs and so Massachusetts we have legislation pending. Um it's passed through several readings in the state legislature for that designation to place those on the highway. Sure. Iowa, we're still doing the same thing. Um, Nebraska, they're going up. Um, Nebraska can be done with county by county. So that's a good thing. Um, New York, we have a hurdle to cross, but uh, very excited to go for that. Uh, it's getting New York State. So this that process, just to briefly tell you, is we have to get every single state assemblyman or congressman and state senator along the sections of Highway 20 across the state of New York to sign on to sponsor this bill to designate that highway. So it's me going to single every single town to get them to say, yes, we like this idea. Then if it passes in the New York State Assembly, then we can put up those signs. So we we want to do it. It's just there, there's that hurdle of yeah. getting all that done. Wow. And we think we can get it done. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's very time consuming. Oh, wow. So, well, let's, uh, but there are some, there are places you can see them though. Yeah. Across well, uh, let's the talk about some fun stuff now. Have you ridden sure. the entire route? I've done it twice. You I've have gone done across twice. country okay. twice. All so right. I did it in 2010 the first time. Um, and then that was just a fluke. I just wanted to take a cross-country road trip. I had no intention of ever doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. It was just to go do a road trip. And um, that took two weeks. So um, so the minimum time, I'd say, is two weeks to go cross-country. But then in 2014, I did it again. To I had the organization going, and I just wanted to get people to know, hey, we started this organization. This is what we're doing. Um, let's drive it across again. And I'm hoping to do it again this year. Oh, so really? this will be my third time, nice. but I've got, yeah, 
But I've gone out to Wyoming at least, I think. Wyoming's been six times. Iowa has been 12, 13 times. So I do get, you know, <laughs> starting in Massachusetts, I do get certain parts. But um, I try to get to at least Iowa two to three times a year now just because we're so busy out there. Well, how is it when you're riding Route 20 through the plains, mm-hmm. how is that? Is it is it as desolate as I imagine in my mind? Desolate, it is. It is. I will say yes, it is. And for, you know, you have to be in that. You have to be in the mindset. I think though, because when you stand there, uh, I, I said I I have stood in the middle of Route Twenty at the Wyoming Nebraska border, where there has not been a car coming by for 15 minutes. That to me is fascinating, you know, Yeah. that, that there's that much, that there's that little traffic or, you know, it's not to get political in any way, shape or form. But when you stand in the middle of nowhere and it's like, yeah, you look at these political maps, people are trying to say things about, it's like, but yeah, this whole map is painted a certain color, but there's nobody here. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you know, you're looking around. It's like there's a house and there's a house, but I can see 20, 30 miles in every direction around me. And there's only like three houses, you know, that's just something that I don't think you can comprehend when you're on the East Coast and you have this massive buildup yeah, right. versus, you know, you're out there. But yeah, I have had people come back, though, and say that isolation is something good in a way because oh, yeah, yeah, you have yeah. time you have you have time to just contemplate what you're this vast white openness and you know there's a reason why people i guess moved west is you know there was this vastness out there yeah and um well know, let me well let me ask you this so you're on the you're, you're in these sections of wyoming and iowa you're out there in the middle of nowhere for the motorcycle rider, one of our key concerns is like, okay, where we're we going to get fuel. Are there right. facilities and stuff like that at, in incremental uh, incremental values along the yeah. way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is. Um, what I would say is, I made the mistake too because it was oh, here's every town. Most every town has a gas station. Oh, that's and, good. And I really do think you're no more than thirty miles from a gas station. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Any, anywhere. Except when you get to I um, parts of uh, let's see Wyoming a little bit, but then Idaho, Idaho. There's a stretch of I think it's uh, 65 miles. Oh, that's not bad. That's and not bad. It's not bad. But then there's a stretch in Oregon of 100 miles. So really, 100 miles, 100 <laughs> mile stretch. And there's a sign. They they have the sign on the highway that says last gas for 100 miles. So. You better fill up at that gas station right there if you need gas. <laughs> and if you can't go 100 miles, then you better have some way, shape, or form to fill up, you know, a small container for gas yeah. to get you going. How, but, is, uh, uh, how is Route 20 going through the Rockies? Um, honestly, it's not, it is not a very hilly road. Um, the, you don't really hit any hills until you actually get to Yellowstone. It kind of goes through a lot of the valleys. Mm-hmm. So you don't see any mountains until you get to Wyoming. It's all flat um, past Massachusetts and New York. You see the hills, but then it's just a flat, gradual incline until you get all the way out to um, Wyoming. And then you don't really climb until you get to Yellowstone. Then that is where it gets hilly. Um, you're, you, know, you go from about 
six thousand feet to eight thousand feet in a couple miles or so. Wow, through it's there, but that's the that's pretty much the worst part. And then it's just um, a hilly terrain through the Cascades. I can't. Imagine. The, the vistas must be beautiful, though. Oh, it's they're beyond spectacular. You no know, kidding. Certain parts. Yeah, it's what you just can't. You're just like, wow! I'm just seeing everything <laughs> as yeah. far as you can see. It, it's it's great. Does Route 20 lose its allure a little bit when it's passing through the urban areas, like through uh, Cleveland, Chicago? Um, in my personal opinion, a little bit. Yeah, I, it does a little bit. Uh, t- to me, it's that it's more the stop and go, stop and go of the traffic lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you could just drive through. Um, so I've actually learned to plan. Yeah, you don't drive. You don't drive through Chicago during rush hour, or you try not to. You go like on a Saturday or Sunday morning at eight a.m. and you're. It's great. Yeah. Um, the same thing for Cleveland. Uh, I like Cleveland. It's a nice city. It's a beautiful city, but it's just getting through is so tiring. Um, so, and it's just this urban sprawl in a way, in this urban buildup, and trying to find that historical value sometimes is hard to find. Yeah, yeah. When you're going through that, it's like, oh, well, here's a historical building, but it's surrounded by all this modern stuff but at least you know that is still there um so for me anyway it's let's rush through the city and you know for our our organization's purpose i i don't need to tell you to go to chicago i don't need to i don't chicago doesn't need need me to be their spokesperson (laughs) right exactly same thing for cleveland or buffalo or boston they do not need me whereas small town iowa definitely needs us Right, exactly. Uh, let's talk about the like thing like lot. Sorry about that. Lodging along the way. Are there yeah. hotels? Are they more like uh, bed and breakfasts, chain hotels, mom and pop places? I have had. I have not had a problem getting rooms anywhere. Right. And either it's either it can be a chain place. Um, lots of small, old fashioned hotels. The further further west you go, yeah, the more old fashioned it gets. And, um, you know, it's weird because like there was one place in Nebraska I pulled into and, you know, it has the flashing motel sign on and off, on and off. And it's a strip. And like, this looks like the Bates motel. Is this, is this good or not? (laughs) But I went in and it was, it was very, I mean, very new. They remodeled everything and very comfortable and cozy. So there's not a, there's not a problem with staying there any place. And also when you get, when you get more towards outside Chicago to pretty much the West Coast, almost every single town will have a campsite. Oh, really? Town. So and most of them are free, either like at most maybe $10. Uh, yeah. But most of them are free with a restroom and shower. So I'm like, this is great. So yeah. I've, I've done that myself. I'll bring my tent along with me, too. So I like to camp out, or sometimes I'll just stay in the truck, or sometimes you know get a hotel. Now, are these so, family-owned campgrounds, or are these like KOAs and things like that? Uh, most of them are town-owned. It's a it's an interesting oh, concept. Really? Oh, okay. We don't see it too much in the East Coast. It's definitely a Midwest West Coast type of thing, but the towns just value tour 
you know, travelers. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, two sites and two or three sites. But, you know, hey, you can pull in and you can spend the night and it's cheap. Um, mo- yeah, most places have and you look for like the town town park or town campground or even a county park. They usually have a camping facility and that's available. And that's something I've been mapping out myself, too, is trying to figure out where these places are so people can find a place to stay. Yeah. And one of them, I was like, where's the campground? It's like, oh, it's right here. It's at the county fairgrounds. But you know, and I'm yeah. like, well, okay, this is a shower. Where's the shower? Well, it's in the horse barn. But there is a shower in the horse barn for people, too. So it's like, okay, so you really have to, you know, you have to sort of drop a little bit. I don't want to say you're, they're not standards, but, you know, if you're used to hotels or you're used to, you know, it's like, yeah, but where's the, fun, where's, the, right, where's the fun in that, though, right? If, you, if you're staying at, you know, five-star hotels the entire trip, you're missing out on, on really yeah, what you're trying to do. Uh, right. <laughs> now, t- tell, us about, tell us about some of the roadside oddities that, you know, like, that you would see, like, in roadside America, some of the things you'd see along Route 20. I have to imagine yeah. there must be hundreds. There, yeah, um... I think that's my hard part is trying to figure out what is a must-see site versus what is just an interesting attraction. Yeah, um, right. At your time frame. So is if you're just doing a two-week time frame, you can't stop at everything. So what is what are the must-see? So um, I think that everybody talks about like what's the biggest X on the roadway, and I think it's the um, world's largest popcorn ball is in Sac City, Iowa, and they built. <laughs> They have a pop. They have a popcorn factory, and so they built this mound of popcorn, and then they built a shed around it, so it's all protected, so no, the elements can't get to it, and uh, so that's that's one thing. Um, the world's largest popcorn ball, and I can't remember the specs for the size or whatever, but it's been it's like in the world record. <laughs> that's funny. World record book, um, Guinness Book of World record, Records. So you have that. Um, there's, you know, the legends are out there too. Like the jackalope is native to Douglas, Wyoming. Oh, uh, the really? rabbit. With the deer, yeah, yeah, with yeah. The deer. Yeah. Um, so they have this big statue to the jackalope out there um, for him. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see what's the fun one that I like is there is a plaque monument to the town madam in um, <laughs> Lusk, Wyoming. That's and, awesome. But it's that to me that is like that's the ultimate type of um, sort sort of attraction because um, many places would never think of doing that. Right. But because exactly. she's such a prominent figure, figure, yes, she ran a hotel in town, but she was a smart businesswoman in many ways. That she also owned the town electric company. <laughs> and the, when the sheriff's office tried to come shut her down or threatened to shut her down, she would just be like, I'll shut the power off for the rest of the town. So, you know, <laughs> she had her ways. Um, so there's stories like that. Yeah. And then, of course, then, of course, there's I I like everything from history to natural history. So you have your old historic inns, you know, your hotels that yes, have been around since yes. 1700. Right. So you, you can still stay at them or visit them, have dinner in them. Um, architecture. You're starting new colonial New England, pretty much. I mean, you're going to see your colonial churches all the way up to modern architecture. 
Um, there's Frank, there's a Frank Lloyd Wright house along the way in Iowa. Oh, um, no kidding. Wow. So, so you can, so you can see that. So it's more like, it's like a choose your own adventure type of thing. Sure. Um, do you want geology? Do you want, you know, there's fossil beds along the way. Um, and one of the fossil beds is in Nebraska and it's not dinosaurs, but it's, um, prehistoric horses. Uh, really? but they were killed by a. They were killed by a volcanic eruption from Yellowstone, one of those big, massive Yellowstone eruptions that everybody talks about. Yeah, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. So they found this fossil bed out there. So it's things like that that you find along the way. It's like this is pretty cool. Yeah, I think you know? so. <laughs> wow. And, um, and last year we we did this experiment last year in Iowa because we had such a big fan base and we're going to do it again but I think we're going to expand it this year was um, we just called it the 20 tour but we took every single town in Iowa and said what is the, a unique attraction in every single town it was like a scavenger hunt go out and find this take a picture post it on Instagram we'll offer oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. A small we'll offer a small prize so we just had to go to every single town but um, you know, for example, like Iowa was getting a picture at, they call it an elevator, but a funicular going up the hillside, you know, that's been in service since the 1800s. Um, this artwork on a silo and, um, out there, let's see, there's one little section of old highway that was built in 1918. It's still there. Like they paved it, they poured the concrete in 1918 and they haven't done anything with it. And it still remains. You can still drive it's on still it. It's still the same. Pe- wow. Still, That's impressive. That's impressive. So it's, but it's things like that, that people can find yeah. or just something natural. Um, I'm trying to think what the natural ones were. Um, uh, I, it escapes me at the moment, but there's this, there's just all that. There's all that out there, I think. Um, or just like overlooking you know, Lake Erie, you know, sometimes it's just like you're stopping on the banks of Lake Erie. Many people are never going to have experienced the like great lakes. And when you see Lake Erie, it's like, I, I feel like I'm at the ocean, you know, you can't see across. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there's one spot when you get to, um, Buffalo or just South of Buffalo, you come to Lake Erie, but then you park and you look over and you can see Canada. So it's like, okay, there's your one view of looking outside the country to Canada. You can see, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's silly, but in a way, it's like, yeah, you know, when you think about it, in the end, that's a kind of an interesting little little sight to see. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you this: you know, now, you, you've ridden Route 20 quite a few times. Do you mm-hmm. have a favorite part? Um, I do. I I love Iowa. I'll just put that. I love Iowa. Uh, the people and the places. I feel like I'm at home almost when I'm there. I'm not from Iowa, but I've just met so many nice people out there. Yeah. So I just like driving through Iowa. But I have favorite little sections. I just really, really enjoy it. And, um, so it, it, there can never be like a number one. Yeah. It just no, has I understand. to be, you know, like. <laughs> I love the finger. I love the Finger Lakes, but I grew up in the Finger Lakes, so that's that to me is going home. Yeah, it's, true. The, this drive through the Finger Lakes is going home. Um, the areas outside of Cleveland, just because it's that farmland, um, you know, you're starting to get into that prairie scene. Yeah, um, and you're kind of like, this is where you know people picked up and left and just moved to. There was nothing here, 
and it's yes, they're small towns, but you can just see there's this remnants of this is wide open, and people just decided this is where we want to settle and build a house, home. You That's know? amazing. I like that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> which yep. I, I assume you've traveled it both directions, east and west. Right. Yeah. Which one has the upper hand with scenery, going east or going west? I hands down will always say you want to start in Boston and yeah. go to Oregon. Yeah, that's what I would think too. And my reasoning behind that is you start in the east and yeah, you get you go through your hill your your towns of Massachusetts, New York, but everything just sort of builds on itself. So you sort of leave the big cities a little bit, but then you get rural. Chicago again, then you get rural again, all the way and you're sort of just going uphill ever so slightly. To get to Yellowstone. Yellowstone is the ultimate end destination or yeah. middle destination. But, um, and then you have the Grand, you know, the Cascades. And then all of a sudden you, you go up over these hills and then down to the valley, down there's the Pacific Ocean, there's the end. Whereas to me, it's like you start in the Atlantic, uh, you start at the Newport side. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, but it's sort of like, okay, you're, um, you know, you, you experience some of the vast beauty, that natural vastness of the West first. And then you have to come home. You have to come to the East Coast, which isn't a bad thing. But we, you know, if there's no buildup. There's no buildup. Yeah, there's no buildup. And the other thing, too, that I just kind of like is I say you go with the sun when you're going East to West. So you start, you know, you, your days get longer yeah. with sunset. Yeah. Like you'll be staying in Indiana and the sunset in the summer is nine thirty at night. So it's a great thing that you can just enjoy your day until nine thirty at night yeah. in Indiana. Exactly. Then you start over when you cross the time zones, but it gradually increases. But I've noticed like when you come backwards, it's like, oh, now I you know, I have to gain another hour. So it's like, oops, I left Chicago. Oops, there I lo- already lost an hour now. <laughs> yeah. now I have to, it's like you lost an hour of your day going eastbound. Whereas you go westward, you always gain an hour. So it's like, oh, you gain a little bit more time to see things. It's kind of nice. That's why I like it that way. So as far as it goes for the urban centers, you have you got Boston, and mm-hmm. then well, you just pass a little bit south of Albany, New York. It, it goes through the heart of Albany. It does go okay. through Albany. And then there's Buffalo, so, Cleveland, and uh, Chicago. As outside of that, are, there's, are there any other big urban centers that pass this through? Um. The interesting one, I guess you could say, is um, Boise. Uh, oh, okay. Boise is the fourth, I, I think I read it, fourth or fifth largest metropolitan area in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. So, you know, maybe to our standards, it's not a huge city, but it's still a large urban area. Right. So okay. those, are your, those are your large your large places. And, you know, Bend, Oregon is probably your next, I guess you could say, larger but it's not it's not anything metro, major metropolitan like Chicago, Buffalo, things yeah. like that. All right. Uh, so but, let, let's talk about let's talk about your website now. Uh, you said sure. you just recently revamped it. What kind of information can a somebody visiting your website what what can they find out about the Route Twenty thing? Okay, so uh, there's a history section of the roadway itself. Uh, um, definitely wanting to expand on it. Um, and definitely wanting to put more stories on there. So that's hopefully coming up this year. Uh, we have, um, <clears throat> for your tourism, maps for every single town. Uh, we have Google Maps that are very helpful. If you can do- download those to your phone so when you're driving along, you can actually follow the roadway when you're okay. on the roadway itself. Um, travel itineraries uh, for what to see and do. 
And let's see, what else is there on there? Um, some of our community events. Uh, we're just really trying to get that going on there. But the first thing was really just trying to make this website look presentable and at least information specific to um, the states, the locations that we um, we serve along 20. All right. um, but that, that's what website has right now. Now, as far as it goes for maps available for the traveler, I mean, does does the Historic Route 20 Association offer maps for the traveler that they can either download or purchase? Right. So we have, uh, we have one large map of the entire highway, and it's more just a guidance type of map. Uh, and we have an Iowa-based map, so you can turn see all the turns for Iowa. And I am working on one for the entire country. It's just been making a map is a little bit more difficult than just, you know, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and Google kind of frowns upon, you know, downloading their maps and using them for, <laughs> for purposes, you know, um, like this. They, they kind of frown upon that for, you know, any type of <laughs> gain or non gain or whatever right. like that. So it's easier to do that. So it's just making your own. And we have those, we, we have those mostly available for most areas um, out there. Right. So that's the thing people can contact us for um, to find and follow. But sometimes the Google, the Google map has been very useful, we found. People, because it is digital, you right. can just put it on your phone and see where you're going. Speaking of Google Maps, uh, does when you go on Google Maps, does it show you only the current alignment of Route 20, or does it also show the historic 20 alignments? So it only shows the current alignment of 20. Okay. And what I did is at least you can go into, I, you can go create your own version. So that's what I did is I created the historic alignment. And that's what you can download. So when you download it on your phone, you have to have Google Maps installed on your phone. Right. But when you download it, you can load that up and it will show you the, you know, the alignment. But the way Google does their mapping and everything, you can't specifically tell it, you know, you your GPS isn't going to say turn right here, turn left here. So you kind of have to pay attention to where you're going okay. on your map, on your phone, just a little bit. So, um, so that's one of the downsides to it. Um, okay. I know they've done it with Route 66, and I think if we get a little bit more popular with the designations, then we can say, hey, we have this historic designation in Iowa. Okay. Could you include that? But I think it's that's the incremental part that we have to work with is. Once we get those official designations, it becomes a little bit easier and leverage-wise. You know. Yeah. Well, speaking of maps, and this will be my last map question, I promise you. Sure, um, no problem. As far as it goes for the, 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 the maps that you offer, or even the Google Maps, uh, for the traveler who doesn't you like to use their phone for navigating, is a GPX file available for download? Do you know if that's possible? Um, more than likely, it's probably possible. Okay. I, I make I can make anything possible. All right. Because um, I think I, if, as far as because I know the uh, it, it has been done for Route 66, for example, for those who <laughs> want to follow the original alignments, you can download a GPX file and put it on yep. your GPS unit, and you can follow the original alignments. So I yep. imagine something like that might be extremely useful for somebody who wants to ride those oh. original alignments. And that's a good idea. Seriously, a lot of the ideas that you know. People like we've we now have are what people have suggested. Can you do this or can you have you thought of doing this? Oh, we you know we didn't even know about that. You know, right. so but that, that would be something very useful, um, helpful um, to have. So, no, that's 
So that's something that's yes, definitely I will be adding, I guess oh, you yeah. could say. All right, excellent. How can people learn more about, help out, volunteer, contribute, or whatever to learn more about Historic Route 20? Okay, our website is historicus20.com or .org. We have both. We, I got both of those. Uh, we have a, a very active Facebook page and Instagram at Historic Route 20. And we try to post there quite often. Sometimes it's pictures, but stories, historical tidbits, um, some maps, but just just to get some interest, um, interesting facts out there. Sure. Um, so people are aware of what we're doing and uh, what there is to see, capture people's attention of what there is out there on the highway. Excellent. Well, Brian, any suggestions to travelers thinking of traveling Route 20 and discovering America's longest highway? Uh, if you're looking for an adventure in I would say an experience. Um, I can't tell you what experience you're going to have, but you are definitely going to come back with some form of experience um, when you after you do this roadway. Whether you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for God or you're looking for yourself or looking for something in yourself, I think that's what Route 20 kind of offers is, you know, this, you know, two to th- two three week adventure, um, seeing I think some of the best sites in America. Um, and it's an experience you'll probably never forget. And I've heard that from so many people after they've done this trip. Um, whether you do it by a bike, motorcycle, car, or even walk it, you're going to have an ex- a wonderful, wonderful time out there on All this right. great highway. Well, Brian, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast and talking about my favorite road, which I have yet to ride the full length of. But thank you very much. You've been a wealth of information. And let's get more people out there on Route 20 and forget about Route 66. Right, it's Route 20. Right, sounds good. (laughs) Brian, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining me and Brian Farr of the Route 20 Commission here on the Motorcycle Men Podcast, where we learned all about the longest road in America, Route 20. To learn more, you can go to www.historicus20.com. That's historicus20.com. A link will be in the show notes and on the Motorcycle Men website. Hey, don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers, and vloggers out there whose links you will find on our links page. All of these media outlets and many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and our passion. So get out there and check that out. So from Tim, Chris, Justin, and myself, Ted, your host, thanks for listening to the Motorcycle Men Podcast, where we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids.